0: tell marco but at that moment i just didn't care about keeping our secrets i didn't care about saving the world i was saving one man the rest of the world could take care of itself there were some losses i wasn't willing to take no matter what i'd lost my brother that was it i wasn't losing anyone else um he realizes that she might know where the sharing meeting is happening uh and so he begins to call them from his house phone and marco is like No, the fuck you're not. We're going to go to a payphone. Um, Jake is pushing back against Marco and Marco says, you're the boss, Jake. You're the fearless leader, but not right now. Okay. You're too messed up over this. Let me call the place. I knew he was right. I said nothing. I hated Marco right then. Hated him because he wouldn't have made the mistake I'd made. He would have seen. Hated him because he'd already lost his mother and he knew what the inside of my head was like because he knew I was scared and just wanted to cry.
1: I suffer. I suffer. Uh, especially coming off the last book. It's so much...
2: Uh-huh. Um. I think it's interesting seeing Jake panic.
3: hmm
2: Like, from a characterization point of view because we've seen him in crisis mode before but his shit's never been the center of the crisis mhm and there is just it he can't comp he can't compartmentalize like he normally does mhm cuz it's it's too there it's, it's it he can't ext- extract himself from it it's just I find that very interesting, comparatively speaking, and this again, I suppose, speaks to the hypocrisy I mentioned earlier. Even if it does feel unkind of me to call it hypocrisy, because you know, a child. But mm-hmm. it is like, I think I wouldn't ask someone to do something I wouldn't do, and yet here we see him here failing at a thing he's asked others to do, mm-hmm. which is to get their shit together. Mm-hmm. and we see this a lot in this book is him pushing against things and like especially Marco and we've got this exchange coming up where um, and it breaks my heart Marco points something out and there's this line about how they think differently and Marco's just like yeah well if I thought uh, about how he would like himself more if he was more like Jake
1: mm-hmm.
2: and I, and I weep um but i think because jake is scared i think it's harder for him to rationalize the stuff he normally rationalizes mm-hmm. it's it's harder to reach for the comfort of those things of thinking of rachel's a soldier she loves this she loves the fight and the usefulness of marco's ability to see that line it becomes too real. Just like I don't want my best friend. Oh, who is younger than me, or oh, so he is smaller than me. Just like why can't he just get out of my way and let me do the thing I want to do? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and when we think about how Jake is frequently in this book as well, we hear see him being called Big Jake by the others
3: mm-hmm.
2: as well. And of reminder, like this is a tall, broad, also I'm here for like fat Jake Brights because mm-hmm. it makes me happy to think about. And it's just like, who's always treated as being older and more mature, and that whole being an old soul thing. And he's just this angry kid who could probably very easily hurt somebody. Mm-hmm. And then he has a morphing ability as well.
1: Yeah.
2: <sighs> this is such good characterization. But this mm-hmm. is why I talked about this feel this book gave me very mixed feelings because i don't I don't like feeling this way <laughs> as I empathize with the situation mm-hmm. its It's hard yeah, um yeah, yeah it's really
1: good character work uh and also it makes you not like Jake mm. uh in a lot of ways um and that, and that
2: it's almost i suppose because even when we're with other characters at their darkest mm-hmm. when they think bad thoughts and they're hating themselves maybe because aside from maybe moko they don't have as much self-loathing
3: mm-hmm.
2: or maybe it's because jake doesn't have self-loathing is the thing and it's just oh yeah other people it's treated more sympathetically by the writing and we feel Mm. for them Mm. and we're like with them in these dark moments whereas jake is almost making himself unlikable yeah or the writing makes him feel less relatable instead of Mm. more yeah it's he's held so apart
0: because Mm. he's the leader um and that manifests in like not only does he expect better from himself, the reader often expects better from him Uh,
1: the others except probably for Cassie and Marco expect better of him Um, and it's because we do see that kind of hypocrisy in it where he has
0: like ordered others to get their shit together or you know pointed out when others are too close to a
1: situation and told them to hang back uh it it feels incongruous um and then interestingly um i think one way in which that's not true or the opposite is true is that he let marco call the shots with his mother and marco won't let him so it's like it's not fair mhm
4: um yeah i mean actually i i see all of what you're saying but i also think I mean, Marco is really complicated in this book, and I think he actually comes across oh, yeah. as really, really fucking unlikable at times. And I love that because I think that's, but um, the way he, I mean, and like he he gets on Jake's case for like morphing in public view, and it's, and I mean, I can't help but think in the last book, well, you you kind of did morph in an elevator with Visitor One, and so it does seem like he's holding <laughs> Jake to this higher standard. He, he does not hold himself to at least, and I and I think, um. I don't know. I I think that's in general that's part, no, you're
2: part right. Of, you're right, and you should. That's part it. of
4: what Jake I think resents about being the leader. It's like yeah, ha- that he always has to be the responsible one, like the no fun one who's saying like oh don't use morphing for personal powers and and now like he he's losing his shit and so he can't be that person and Marco's calling him out on it, which is right to some extent, but he's also I think Marco's being pretty damn hard. I think Marco's miserable right now and is taking it out of the world around him after the last book but Mm -hmm. um but yeah i think he's he's pretty complicated in this book as well and i love that
2: no Mm -hmm. you're you're right no it's super compelling and i think like you say he is suffering off the events of the last book and then to come into this and also like him looking back on how things literally just went down Mm -hmm. and confronting okay so we're doing this again but now this is the case, and we've seen before like, Marco views himself as disposable. Jake isn't, mm-hmm. and so he was just like, "This is why Jake can't do these things." Yeah, because he c- they can afford to lose him, but they can't mm-hmm. afford to lose Jake. Mm-hmm. But like you're saying, so, like Marco is a dick. Mm-hmm. A lot mm-hmm. in this book. Oh,
4: absolutely.
2: Marco is always kind of a dick. Yeah,
4: but this takes it to a new level. Like, like normally yeah. his dickishness but is also like, you know, it's it's mm. it's like you know low level. And this, I mean, we weren't going to get to it, but I mean, he's he's advocating for some pretty
2: yeah,
4: um, pretty extreme mm. shit but here.
2: He's, he's also he's also doing what Jake does though, and is he he's being cruel mm-hmm. to try and snap Jake out of it.
4: Hmm.
2: He's giving it to Jake straight. Yes, he could be being more delicate about it, but it's not Marco's oh, job. Yeah, to and that's not, that's not
4: that who book. he is. And,
2: yeah. No, no, you're. It like you say, it's super compelling and interesting. Marco doesn't make it easy for any for Jake in
4: yeah. this book. And I mean, there there are but times. Like, just there are times in this book he where I absolutely po- love Marco. Like the scene where we just like he, looking at, he says, "You're mm-hmm. not a lone man." And then there are just scenes where it's like, I understand where you're coming from, but oh my God, why are you doing this? Yeah.
2: Mm -hmm. Like there's that moment later, I think it's coming up in the barn, where Marco apologizes and like, yo, I was out of line and goes to shake Jake's hand or offers to shake hands and Jake refuses. And I was there just like, "Hmm, what
1: the fuck is this? Oh my God.
2: (laughs) Jake, you dick. (laughs) Wow. So I was very invested. Yeah, in this, because it is like I feel like, and I've never been a teenage boy, so but there's something about the way people that have known each other for a long time Mm -hmm. can be sort of very what to the outside would just look shockingly cruel, but is like founded on the way they just talk to each other anyway, Mm -hmm. and it's very easy. And this is something we talked about in the last book, uh, and continues to be true. The people that know us best have got the most information and know best how to hurt us. Mm-hmm. And Marco's trying to get results. And it's like, for want of a less referential <laughs> saying to a different character, he's poking the bear. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. So...
3: But yeah,
2: this whole business of them figuring out where to go is very cool once they get yeah. on final. Like, Eric offers up a bunch of possibilities and Marco and Jake between them narrow it down. Mm-hmm. And they're like, okay, best case scenario is it's this one. And then they just tear off. Yeah. Uh, basically the chi trace, well,
0: they don't, they don't trace Jake's dad's phone. Mm. They listen they to what's the on the other
2: end and <laughs> like auditory. I also, Analyze. They do do, they do do like it's within a certain block mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. Like it's between like, what is it? 12 yeah. city blocks. Or 6 by 6
1: Yep.
4: I mean, um, cell phones were different back then. There's a moment. So, mo- I mean, I could yeah. sort of let that uh,
0: There's a moment where Jake almost blows it uh because Tom answers his dad's cell phone and he almost like responds automatically and Marco has to jump in. Um, uh, but yeah, then they figure out a couple of different places where it could be, and they tear off. Um Specifically, Jake tears off because he's faster than Marco is. Um, they get to this mini mall. Jake doesn't arrive that much quicker than Marco does. He r- arrives fast enough that he's able to demorph before Marco gets there. Um, And he begins to morph Tiger. And Marco is like, no, if you go in there and just fuck shit up, they're gonna be able to add two and two. Like, why would the Anamorphs break up this meeting? It makes no fucking sense. Um, and, uh, Marco says, all right, we're gonna make a distraction. So you go bird, I'll go gorilla. And Marco just goes out and just fucks up a bunch of the
2: cars in the parking lot. It's, it's fucking not not beautiful. <laughs> like you said about him being angry so just like imagine the satisfaction. i really want to go to a rage room for this reason but Mm -hmm. just i'm just gonna smash some cars Mm -hmm. including like punching out like completely fucking up the door of like chapman's car Uh uh-huh and we have this moment of he like slams his fist down on the hood of jake's dad's new car (laughs) and Mm -hmm. it's just jake's dad's reaction to this car damage is incredible this is like peak white dad energy he's like no my baby it's just Uh um
0: so marco gets out of view quickly after doing all of this damage people come pouring out of the shops here uh including uh jake's father and tom um they Jake is able to get confirmation that his dad has not been infested yet because Tom is trying to get his dad back inside.
1: But Jake's dad just isn't having any of it um and goes home. Um and so now begins
0: the the long drawn out fight that is trying to keep Tom from infesting Jake's father
2: uh, they have this a meeting up at the b- so much more of the book than I expected It. Yeah, let me be clear when you said to me about the plot of this book in shorthand I was expecting way more of this to be at the cabin <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah um,
2: uh, because there's
0: still like a day two days I think it's like a day and a morning, maybe something like that, where, um, or yeah, something like that, where they, they have to keep Tom off of Jake's father until <clears throat> they literally just leave for the cabin. Um, and, uh, it's very late. They all sneak out to meet at the barn. Um, everyone is antsy. Rachel is mad. uh Because she got woken up, lost her shopping bags and, and, uh, didn't get 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 to to fight fight anybody. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Um, and so now they're discussing like, what the fuck are we going to do? Um, uh,
0: Rachel points out, you know, this doesn't make any sense because we're suddenly in a knockdown drag out fight over essentially a funeral. There's nothing to gain and everything to lose. Um, and, uh, we get the confirmation that Rachel is related to Jake through their fathers. Um, she's not going to this funeral. She doesn't have to go at all. Uh, we get the fucking chef's kiss, sad moment of Tobias. You know, maybe I'm not getting it, but why didn't Tom just tell your father he's not going and that's the end of it? Tobias interrupted. I looked at him. So did the rest of us. What? He asked, sounding defensive. I used to do that whenever one of my aunts or uncles wanted me to go somewhere and I didn't want to. They never made me go. He was quiet a moment. Then Abashi said, oh, duh, they didn't care what I did. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God, Tobias.
4: (laughs) Oh. Oh, that's just the kind of uh, socially clueless, but um, mm-hmm. surprised moment that I I live for. Oh God! Yeah. <laughs> um,
0: and Rachel immediately snapping, "Your relatives are jerks, and they didn't deserve you." <laughs> um. But Jake explained that, like, his father said, they're going as a family, and uh, if Tom doesn't go, like, if he if he just said no and fucked off, like Tom would be in some deep shit and then it would be extremely difficult for him to continue doing his job as a controller.
1: Um, And so we come down to
0: three options that that we can expect from the Yerks, uh, Because the Yerks, as we have discussed, are not very smart. Uh, they can either infest Jake's dad, uh, kill Tom, or kill Jake's father. They don't really want to kill Tom because that's a waste of a good controller. Um, but they could, in- if they can infest Jake's dad, phenomenal. Great. Love that for us. If they can kill Jake's father, nothing really lost. It would probably make Tom's life easier. You know, no fuss, no muss. Um, and the Animorphs realize that the only way to protect Jake's dad is to just 24 hour
1: surveillance until they leave. Which is the, the big problem with that,
0: as Jake points out in a bit here, is that it means that they are constantly on the defensive. Um, and being on the defensive means that you are using up all
1: of your energy to be ready, waiting for the opponent to attack. Um, and it, it it tires you out the whole time. Um,
0: the next day, Jake morphs a roach. And after some excitement where his dad sees him and tries to kill him, he manages to hide on his dad's pants.
1: Um, and get taken to work with his dad. Um, then Tobias
0: and Axe are both at Jake's dad's workplace, at the, the doctor's office he works at, um, in order to keep an eye from the air. Uh There's a somewhat suspicious dude at the parking garage where his dad parks, who seems to be like watching Jake's dad. Um, but for the most part they get inside and the whole work day passes completely uneventfully. Um, you know, people have to land and demorph and remorph and stuff like that, but nothing happens. And we just kind of get a, um, uh, a Jake musing because he has too much time to think. Um, uh, here's the bit where he's talking about it. I was playing a defensive game. It's easier to attack. On the attack, you can pick the time and place. On the defense, all you can do is wait. Wait for the enemy to pick his time and his place. And wear out your resources and your people waiting. Waiting. Knowing all it takes is for the enemy to get lucky and all your tense, cramped up waiting will be for nothing. Um, he talks about how his dad is like just a good person because he goes out of his way to like be good to the people around him. Um, he muses on how, uh, when all this is over, he like all Jake wants to be is just like some good dude going about his life. He doesn't want, (laughs) I've done the hero thing. You can have the hero thing. Me, I wanted a day when all I'd have to do was be a decent human being. Uh, which is a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it says not only a lot about the the pressure and the decisions that Jake has to make, but also uh, it shines a light on his self-loathing because it kind of implies that he isn't currently a decent human being. Um, but his dad leaves uh and the dude who was watching his dad in the morning is still there and is now following his dad it's very tense um and jake is freaking out he's not sure what to do he uh does he freeze Are up he now free- no he does, he does. This- yeah um or yeah. So first, first he he as a roach climbs up onto his dad's shoulder and then just like launches himself at the dude who's following his dad, <laughs> which honestly would really fucking work. Like y- you know, a roach mm. just jumps off the dude in front of me and lands on
4: my yeah. face.
0: I'm going to <laughs> flip my shit. <laughs> and then We've got to then get-
4: Tobias does um, takes the toupee.
2: Yeah. Yeah, so they- like, yeah. To stress, <laughs> Tobias and Axe are here. Like, <laughs> Tobias is right there. Axe is hiding nearby, mm-hmm. but probably couldn't necessarily morph to or get there without being seen. Yeah. But it's like Jake isn't on his own here. This is him just full on panicking. Yeah. Although to to be fair, the
0: one thing that we need to that they need to be very careful of here is that if Tobias, who is extremely iconic, and the Yurks all know that birds of prey are that all the birds of prey are anamorphs, just <laughs> all of them. <laughs> um <laughs> If a, if Tobias comes down out of the sky and like starts attacking this man, and this man is a controller and he gets away, then yeah. the controllers know that the anamorphs are specifically protecting this one dude, which is bad. Um And so like I can kind of see why Jake is like, no, you two don't do anything. I'm going to try to do this because a controller isn't necessarily going to think that a roach... I mean, they tend to be wary of insects in places that they're meeting, but in general, they're not, like, wary of every single insect ever. Um But yeah, then Tobias swoops down because uh, Jake's dad isn't running. He kind of just turns around and is like, dude, are you f- alright? And the dude's like, no, there's a roach <laughs> on my head! <laughs> um... And uh, Tobias dives in, grabs the dude's toupee that Jake is on. Um, and Tobias is like, okay, I'm gonna circle back. Uh and Jake is like, no, we might as well tattoo Animorphs were here on the guy's head. Stay back, don't attack unless you see the beard move to attack. What? Oh, the beard, <laughs> as in the dude with the beard, right. Um <laughs> I was like is 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 Jake's dad hiding something? I don't know. <laughs> um and Axe realizes that this isn't an attack. This dude probably isn't a jerk. The dude is apparently just really pissed that Jake's dad has been taking his parking spot for months. Uh and is just like weirdly upset about it, uh even though they're not labeled yeah
4: this was weirdly um, anticlimactic.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's it's weirdly anticlimactic. Uh but it serves the purpose of like there was a threat. At some point, yeah, it was a threat. At some point during this attack, Jake like doesn't isn't able to give Tobias and Ax an order about what to do next. Um and so Ax and Tobias kind of act on their own. Uh, and they use, spend a whole lot of energy and adrenaline trying to get this dude off of his dad when it doesn't amount to anything. So it's, uh, we get it, we get it summed up at the end. My fault, not theirs. Or, oh, no, here. Um, no attack, an argument over a parking space. Funny, really. Except that I was still left fighting the losing defensive battle. Worse, I had frozen. Tobias and Axe had asked for orders, and I had frozen. Because I had frozen, they'd made the wrong move. My fault, not theirs. I was in charge. They'd asked me what to do. I'd hesitated. I'd had no answer. No harm this time. But if the attack had been real? I was tired. Axe and Tobias were tired. We were measurably diminished, and the enemy had lost nothing. The attack was still to come. Uh, but yeah, they go home. Um, and Jake tells Axe and Tobias to leave. Like, go rest. And they're like, okay, we'll go get Marco or whoever to take over. And Jake's like, no, it's fine. We're
1: home. I'll take care of it. Because Jake isn't making good decisions right now. Um. And so Jake
0: sneaks back into the house. Uh, there's some tense tension with Tom because Tom is still here. Um, uh, they have dinner, and then Jake's dad goes out to water the lawn because he's a middle-aged white dude in suburbia, um, and Jake is doing the dishes, um, but he's 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 kind of freaking out. Like he's not he feels on edge, uh, so he goes up to his room. Uh, and morphs the peregrine falcon and goes outside to, uh, kind of get a bird's eye view to make sure that nothing weird is going on. Um, Tobias is there because he wants
1: to, uh, help Jake. Like, he doesn't want to leave Jake alone. Um, and they
0: kind of hover there for a minute. They kind of, uh, uh, talk to each other a little bit about, how they're doing um and tobias realizes that there is a car coming towards jake's house and chapman is driving and there's another dude in the passenger seat
1: who has a gun and jake goes into action uh, he
0: lands on the back side of the roof and begins to demorph He's nearly falling off the roof it is a very near thing that t- tom doesn't see him um and he but he lands he lands on the roof he demorphs he drops down to the ground in the backyard runs around the side of the house um and uh goes up to his dad is like oh let me take care of doing the the watering of the lawn. Uh I I can do that and you go
1: inside. Um and Jake's dad is like, "Oh, I mean, okay, I guess this is a little weird." Um
0: but he starts to leave and just as the gunman is rolling down the window to shoot his dad, Jake uses the hose to kind of spray the car um and and wave them off, essentially. Um, This bit is
1: actually, like, it's extremely tense, and it's very well written. Um, And, uh... (laughs) Jake's dad lives another night. Kind of, um... They... Tom is extremely angry that this
0: assassination attempt didn't work. Um, <laughs> he pissed.
2: Uh, my um, careful, my my beautifully perfect plan—it was flawless. <laughs> um, it was elegant in its simplicity.
0: Yep, yep. Um, and then we get this at the end of the chapter. Uh. I felt someone watching me. I spared a quick glance. Tom. He was framed in our living room window. His eyes burned with rage. He'd have killed me, too. He would have had my dad gunned down and if I'd gotten in the way. And that wasn't the worst of it. Worse was knowing that my brother Tom, my true brother, had been trapped inside his own mind. Trapped, watching, as the killers prepared to murder his family. Helpless, watching, unable to open his own mouth to shout a warning. I was clenching the hose so tightly the water was petering out, but I couldn't relax the muscles. Could not. I don't know how this war will turn out. Don't know if we'll win or lose or even somehow compromise and make peace. But I know one
1: thing. I will kill the yerk who has done this to my brother. I will kill him. Everything's fine. hmm <gasps>
2: it they, that is a buck wild chapter like mm-hmm. what happens in it yes and like we were talking before just like rightfully dragging the yurks for their choices but it's like i think it it says something like to refer back to what we're talking about about jake in this book is he's running on emotions in a way he doesn't normally let himself mm-hmm like he doesn't let himself get angry he needs to keep a cool head um so he can make these choices and that goes out the window mm-hmm. and as understandable as that is and it is let me be clear i'm not saying that i don't get why jake acts this way because i do but he is so unwilling to accept other people's help Mm-hmm. and like again because he feels like Matt feels sorry like it is an extension of him at all times like holding himself accountable because he's supposed to be the one that does things for other people he can't let them do things for him because mm-hmm. he's the leader and and we, i think we've talked about this briefly before about the kind of what jake thinks a leader is mm-hmm. and how it is ultimately a child's understanding of what good leadership is mm-hmm. because if he'd had more chance to learn and have like better like role models and you know you're just like a good leader is able to like step back will let people help him doesn't Hold himself different
3: mm-hmm. or
2: hold himself apart because that's a really good way for this sort of situation to happen. Mm-hmm. Like, a good leader doesn't let other people put him on a pedestal and then stay on there.
3: Mm-hmm. Just
2: like, no, you're right. I should hold myself in this really uncomfortable position that demands a lot of me. Yeah. And it's heartbreaking. And like, it is genuinely a tragic flaw in the Shakespearean sense you know the really reductive way they tell you analyze Shakespearean Mm -hmm. tragedies Mm -hmm. is that Jake feels like he has to be the leader at all times Mm -hmm. because the buck stops with him and if the buck stops with him he can't pass it to somebody else yeah he's the end of the line he can't then send something back
1: Um, so after this, they meet
0: back at the barn, except for Axe and Rachel, who are watching Jake's dad's house. Um, and for the second time, we get someone relating without blame what happened. We saw this before when Marco was like, you left them alone. And here we get Tobias is relating what
1: happened this during this day. And, uh, this is just so much. Um, I'm going to read it because there's a lot happening. Um, Tobias calmly, without blame, related
0: what had happened that day and afternoon. Stupid, Marco said. I can't believe you took a chance like that, Jake, Cassie said angrily. Cassie doesn't get mad, but she was mad. Were you looking to get shot? Obviously not, I said, beating her gaze. But what else was I supposed to do? Let them kill my father? That's not the point, Marco said, as angry as Cassie, but colder about it. You demorphed in plain view, and Tobias says it was a matter of a split second whether you ended up machine-gunned on your own lawn. The alternative was to let them gun down my father. So you figured to let them kill you too? It worked, I raged. Marco threw up his hands in disgust. Why didn't you have backup? Tobias says you told him and asked to get lost and not to get any of us, Marco said. He was leaning back on a bale of hay, leaning back but not at all relaxed. We're supposed to be in this together. If you needed help, you were supposed to ask for it. Yeah, I know, I said, but you guys were in school during the surveillance and tonight, well, I didn't exactly expect Chapman to do a drive-by shooting, you know. A mistake on your part, Marco said. Yeah, a mistake. And today, earlier, Tobias says you froze up when he asked for an order. I didn't freeze up, I- We can't afford you freezing up, Marco said. I glared at him. You're enjoying this, aren't you? This is payback for when I doubted you over your mother. I was ready to do what had to be done, Marco said. So am I. No, you're not. You endangered all of us. You demorphed on your roof. On your roof! In daylight, with your brother in the house. If Tom had seen you do that, you'd be head down in the yerk pool right now, and the rest of us would be standing in line behind you. What's the matter with you all? I cried. That was my father. My father! I'm supposed to just stand by and do nothing? Tobias answered before Marco could. Is it worth exposing ourselves and risking everything? All of mankind? Literally all the in- the human race? Just to save one person? He said quietly. I'm sorry, Jake. I know he's your father. I know what you're feeling. But it's something we have to think about. I looked away. My face was burning. You know, we talked about this and we decided on surveillance. We watched my father in case he needed protection. Well, he did, and I reacted. What did you guys really think I was going to do? Just what you did, Marco said. You're too close to this. You can't make this call. I barked out a laugh. What, you're going to decide whether my dad lives or dies? I looked at Cassie. Jake, she said. You need to back off of this, Marco said quietly. You can't make this call. Not about your dad and your brother. You made it when it was your mom, I said. Marco shrugged. Yeah, well, that's me. If it's any comfort to you, I'd like myself more if I was like you. But the question is, how far do we go to protect your father, Marco said. And who is going to make that decision? I'm the leader of this group, I said. Marco hesitated. He bit his lip. Then, drawing a deep breath, he said, we need a vote. Rachel and Axe aren't here, I said. Axe will refuse to vote, Tobias said. He'll say it's a human question. He'll say Jake is his prince and he'll do what his prince says, but he won't cast a vote either way. Rachel will back me, I said. Marco nodded. Yeah, she will. That leaves it up to Cassie and Tobias. I didn't look at either of them. I expected to hear Cassie speak up, but she didn't. Silence. I felt like the ground was falling away beneath me. Cassie doubted me too? Cassie didn't think I could handle this? I heard a ruffling of feathers up in the rafters and looked up. Tobias cocked his head, his fierce hawk's gaze meeting my angry human one. I was the first to look away. Tobias had been there twice when I'd risked my life, and his, to save my father. He knew how important it was to me, and he knew how far I'd go go to do it. You guys are missing a couple of important points, Tobias said quietly. First of all, writing off a human life is something the Yurks would do, not us. Cassie nodded. She looked troubled, like she should have thought of that. Second, what if the Yerks don't kill Jake's father? What if they succeed instead in making him a controller? Tobias continued. Jake's already got one controller in his family. If they make his father one too, then there's going to be a couple of very suspicious people walking, watching Jake coming and going all the time, especially when there's anamorph activity. So I don't think it's a question of should we save him, but how we do it. Thank you, Tobias, I thought silently, staring at the ground. But there's one more thing that nobody's talking about, Tobias continued, stretching and refolding his wings. I think we've been on the wrong path all this time. Sitting around waiting for the Yerks to attack, then saving Jake's father again and again is no plan. The Yerks may think it was a coincidence at the mini-mall, maybe a coincidence on the lawn, but they can count, you know. Sooner or later they'll think that's too many coincidences. Exactly, Marco said. So, why don't we get off the defensive? Do something. Something big that'll distract their attention away from Jake's father until he and Tom and Jake can leave for the cabin tomorrow morning. Marco hesitated. He knew the vote had gone against him. At worst, he had Cassie on his side. That was two against three, leaving Axe out. Finally, Marco nodded. Okay, we go on the offensive. He tried a semblance of his usual humor. I always wanted to die kicking and screaming. He stepped toward me. He held out his hand. Nothing personal, Jake. I was just looking out for the group. I left his hand hanging in midair. After a while, he withdrew it. So what's the plan? Cassie said, trying to break the hostility that moment. Maybe we could think about, Marco began. I have a plan, I said.
1: Wow, that, that is a lot. There's so much going on in this chapter. Um, Mm -hmm. it's
0: the, the, the point that I wrote down in our notes is just the stark contrast between how this meeting went in the last book with Marco versus how it's going here with Jake. And how clear it is that Jake cannot handle this. How he has exactly zero chill. Um in the last book, everyone was afraid that Marco would sacrifice his mother. Or at least Cassie was. Uh in this book, they're afraid that Jack- Jake won't sacrifice his dad.
1: Which is interesting, and I
0: think
4: says a lot about how the group views Marco. Yeah. I I really versus how I they love view the Jake. I love this scene. I think almost everyone is great in it, but I don't get Cassie in this scene. I'm just confused as to what she's thinking and doing here.
0: Yeah, she definitely feels like an afterthought here.
4: That like it seems like she's siding with yeah, Marco, I, which it seems like a very unCassie like thing to do. And I mean, she seems I'm, mad. Well, that Jake ricks himself. <clears throat> and okay, fair, but. I just can't quite get a read on her. I think that that's the biggest flaw in the scene to me. Yeah,
2: I wish that she was more proactive in the mm-hmm. scene. Like I'm with with you both there. For me, I think the reason she is with Marco on this is because we know Cassie's priority is looking after Jake
3: mm-hmm. and his
2: emotional well-being. Mm-hmm. Like she has deemed herself his, and he sees her that way too as the tether to his humanity
3: Mm
2: -hmm. and see i get her being angry because she was scared for jake and we know cassie get when like again not that long after cassie saw jake's dead body from a gunshot to the head casual reminder (laughs) and him narrowly getting gunned down in his fucking front garden Mm -hmm. she could be just dealing with that and the ramifications of oh god jake could have died again Mm -hmm. for real this time yeah it's for me and as i said i wish she said more in this scene um because it would be great to have some of her inside but i also kind of like that she doesn't know what to say, that she feels torn between mm-hmm. wanting to support Jake and also to protect him.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Meanwhile, yeah. I'm also here just appreciating the fuck out I of know. Tobias. Oh my like, God. My mm-hmm. boy does not want to be leader, but he would be so good at being the fucking leader. Oh. Mm-hmm. Because <gasps> he has perspective. Yeah. Yes.
4: And I, one thing, he's, he's always been my favorite, and I just have to this scene kind of encapsulates why that first that even though he totally he doesn't understand the family things because he's never had a family but he's so empathetic towards mm. um last book and Mar- marco's family uh-huh. situation In this book he's empathetic towards jake and also that i think he does i love how he, he balances the pragmatic and the idealistic so well mm. and i mean i guess it's like the hawk human thing but yeah. it's like really you, you think he's unique mm-hmm. about the characters of this and i just i love Absolutely. i love that so much about him and and he was great in this book. So that, that's definitely a point for this book. Mm. Yeah.
2: It's one of those things like Tobias doesn't think enough of himself to be a leader. He doesn't. It's interesting because he will like throw himself into every situation face first, giving Danielle a heart attack every time <laughs> um, because he thinks it's the right thing to do, but he does not think highly of himself.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And it's not in the self-loathing way that Marco and Jake, to an extent and even Rachel, he just sort of feels very aware because he's so introspective. We've talked about this before. Like we, we head canon an autistic king
4: mm-hmm.
2: for sure, yes, absolutely. Um <laughs> Also, like this is why uh, autistic people are great to have around. Even if you don't put us in charge, we frequently are very good at this sort of thing. Hire us.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what I so like, I, I popping, love this scene for the Tobias content. I just wish that we'd heard more mm. of Cassie. It seems like when he was speaking, she was agreeing with him, but I just would have liked to see that yeah. from her. But that I mean, but I, I love the, to me, Tobias um, makes the scene, so I I approve. Yeah. Yes.
2: Yeah. yeah. Tobias knows that he is possibly the one person that can call Jake out like this
3: mm-hmm.
2: because he can do it with compassion. Yes. Mm hmm. And like you said, like you were saying, Sarah, about how he has that duality of that pragmatism
4: and that compassion,
2: Cassie swings too yes. far compassion Marco-, Marco swings too
4: far pragmatic, Wait, yes in this book that's mm-hmm. dialed up to eleven, so yes, absolutely. yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: like you said, I think yeah, so I-, I can't really didn't think of it, but because he's riding on the trauma of what just happened, uh dealing with Eva of course it makes sense that maybe it would maybe make him a little bit more ruthless as well mhm cuz he's hurting mm-hmm. more so and what well, the whole thing about hurt people hurt
1: people so yeah uh-huh
2: but you yeah, know it's a it's an incredible scene i just wish it had that little bit extra i'm would have loved to have seen rachel in this scene but i don't know how much she would have added mm-hmm. necessarily yeah um she could have added. I,
0: I think she would have been torn into Marco in something hard.
4: I really think that she would have done that. Yeah. I think
0: so. Because she also has a connection to Tom. Yeah. And yeah. Jake's sad.
4: Um, and, and I think actually that probably would have I, destabilized things to the point that are even worse than what they yeah. already are, which is bad. It's really bad. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm
2: yeah like having rachel there would be like throwing kerosene on a fire like mm-hmm. things would just been worse yeah but like yeah. i think
4: the unique wonderfulness of tobias is that he was able to diplomatically say this and he's like because who he says he was said the pragmatic thing like well do we can we risk everything for one person and so he was able to like mm. be really diplomatic about this in a way that's super cool in a way that rachel yeah. just is not capable of, of love her <laughs>
0: Uh, It is a contrast to the last book where in the last book we mentioned that uh, everyone is in character and everyone gets a moment in the spotlight. You don't have any cardboard cutouts. You have several cardboard cutouts in this book. Um, Mm -hmm. Cassie and Rachel, Mm -hmm. I think, uh, suffer the brunt of it in this book. Um, Cassie especially. Um, but even Rachel like Rachel well,
4: which just isn't like yeah present in a lot of... well I mean I guess it's, maybe it's this just this scene yeah. but but like earlier we saw it's no throughout mm-hmm.
2: she yeah. has so little impact in this story mm-hmm. and yeah. it's frustrating yeah, yeah. I get I just, it just the reason why it was like unfortunately it's like mm, cool the two yeah. female characters no, are exactly. basically non-entities for the most part in this book yeah Cassie gets to have like the crowning moment of awesome and characterization later mm-hmm. but Rachel leaves such little impression narratively speaking yeah. which yeah. sucks because we get that amazing thing from Tobias we get some quality acts content like I say the girls really get the, sharp, oh, absolutely. <laughs> get the short end of the stick here mm-hmm. which sucks because their relationships with Jake mm-hmm. are so integral to who he is Mm-hmm. So it feels like it's sort of. I'm just gonna. The Gojo is disregarded. Like, mm, I don't wanna have to deal with those very complicated relationships on top of everything yeah. else. So I'm just gonna focus on this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely.